Okay, the subject that Adam's asked me to speak about this morning is, is giving. Um, it's a, not the, uh, necessarily the easiest subject today, but I give uh, two guarantees, really. One, that I will not be heavy, and there is absolute, if this is not about a guilt trip or anything like that. And in fact, if anything, I want to dispel guilt. And uh, I have uh, found preparing this enlightening um, and uh, encouraging. Uh, and so I want to just really pass on that encouragement. And if there is, there will be nothing that is any, of, of guilt in it. Now, there are several groups of people here this morning. I was going to point to a front row and, and uh, say there are those who probably uh, <clears throat> have very little money and for whom will think immediately this is irrelevant. Well, there are two of you, so I'm speaking directly to you two. <laughs> because, it is, because, because you two, your giving is important. Okay? There are a bunch of other people here who will give regularly, uh, probably tithing. I want to make sure that your, that your heart is right and that you're giving well, which actually means you can give badly. And I'm going to give an example of my giving badly. There are probably a few people who, uh, when it comes to the offering, scrabble around in their purse or their pocket, see what there is, suddenly find a £10 note crump, think I didn't realise that was in there. Uh, do I, don't I? And I want to say there is far more to giving than that. So I want to speak to each group in the, the manner up there. I want to start with a story. Uh, when our kids were at primary school, we, they had three exchange visits to Germany. Uh, Lindsay did one, I did two. And on the one with Matthew, <coughs> uh, I, maybe I, somehow I communicated to the, the lady of the house that I was a Christian and that she was a church, and she was a church goer, and so she took me to church on the Sunday. I don't remember much about it. I didn't understand a word of it, because it was all in German. Um, but when it came to the offering, uh, baskets came around, whatever, and she suddenly pressed a euro into my hand and pointed. So that was for me to put in. I felt about eight at the time. Uh, <laughs> but actually, that was about Christian kindness not about Christian giving. Okay, nothing, that was really nothing to do with giving. That was about her being kind to me. And we'll look at four things. We're going to read quite a lot of scripture, so it's all going to appear on the, on, on the screen. Uh, teaching of the Old Testament, what did Jesus teach? And then I want to spend most of my time on what did Paul teach in uh, 1 and 2 Corinthians. Uh, and there are four things to remember. Okay, and if you can't remember four, Remember one, and I'll point out the one. So we should all be capable of remembering one thing. Genesis 17, verse 7. God said, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. This was a covenant. This is a legal agreement. It's a covenant. We've got a lawyer amongst us. He will know a, co- a lawyer is a one-sided legal agreement where it is one party is promising the other party does nothing but it was God's promise to the people of Israel and the basis of the covenant was the law which is set out in Leviticus numbers and Deuteronomy yeah and in Leviticus 27 it says a tithe of everything from the land whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees Belongs. Note the word belongs to the Lord because it is part of the agreement. It is the law that God established. And it is holy to the Lord. That's important that it, was, it is holy. 
So it's not, it wasn't just um, soil or f- uh, fruit or something from the land, crops. It, by being given, it became holy. So it was more than just a physical gift. And a tithe, to be clear, was a tenth or ten percent. Now, I don't know whether, whether God had reason for ten percent. It might have been simplicity, and that is the easiest number to divide by, so that the vast majority of us can turn a pound into 10p. That's, that's a tenth. But that's what it was. But actually, in those days, there was more than one tithe. There was a tithe for the poor, and people nowadays would, would correlate that with the welfare state that we pay national insurance towards. Uh, a tithe for the priests and a tithe at feasts, but that was once every three years. And the one book I've looked at on this said it averaged out at something like 23%. So it was two, two tithes went to God's work and uh, annually and one every three years. And tithe, it went well, giving went well. There are, there are accounts in the Old Testament of outstanding giving, particularly when the temple was built. Okay, there was great rejoicing among the people and it talks about, you know, huge gifts, gifts being mounded up and the people giving generously. But it also went wrong. And uh, in Malachi 3, which is for the astute amongst us, is the penultimate chapter of the Old Testament, uh, God says, you are robbing me. And, the, and, the, and Malachi says, why are you robbing? Well, how are we robbing you? And God said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that, they may, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see it, Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And God is saying, that, God is saying there, people, trust me. Trust me when you give, because I will bless you, and I will provide for you. You will not go short. And my guess is, I put hole in italics there, is that they found ways of reducing what they gave a tithe on. Okay, they've made it a lower and lower amount. And God, and because it was uh, contractual, it was a legal, it was the law, they were robbing. Okay, that was the term God used. And I have to say, my personal view has always been, and it's, I, I live life very sim, simplicity, simply in most areas, that I thought, because this is the penultimate chapter of the Old Testament, God will only have said it if he meant it to carry on in the New Testament. Now, that, that's my, that was my very sim, simple way of looking at it. And having studied this, I've changed my view, and we'll come to that. So what about Jesus? Uh, the Sermon on the Mount was when he gathered his uh, disciples, gathered them together for initial instruction. You know, what are the important things I want to communicate to you? And on four occasions, Jesus mentions giving or money. The first one, uh, Matthew 5:23. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled. The reference to if there is um, is about the brother, the problem with the brother, and not the if you are giving an offering. You could say it's when you're giving an offering. Then, if something is a problem, go and sort it out. Secondly, when you give to the needy. Okay. Thirdly, Jesus said, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy 
and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's all about where are we investing our resources? Okay, where are we storing up our treasure? And fourthly, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus was quite clear that um, giving was important and our attitude to the money that we have. And I, I would add that um, you know, giving does not just apply to money. It applies to our time. It applies to our energy. And in fact, for many people where they are unable to give a lot financially, they have more time. And um, time becomes important. And we can give significantly of our time and our, our energy. What about three encounters that Jesus had? The rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, uh, I keep all the commandments. What do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus said, uh, sell your possessions and give to the poor. And it says in Matthew 19, he went away sad because he was very rich. Zacchaeus, the famous Zacchaeus, uh, started out on a tree to see Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to come to your house for tea. And uh, Zacchaeus' response was, was uh, not preempted. His immediate response was to say to Jesus, I'm going to give half of all I have to the poor. Un- that was an unprompted response. And in Luke 21, there's the lovely account of the widow putting in her offering. And Jesus said, he, I, I, was at the, I watched the rich come and give their offerings. And the inference is that they flaunted it and they made sure everybody knew they were giving. Um, and he sees the widow put in two, two coins. And he says, this poor widow put it, has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And if, if your gift is two little coins, I hope you two down there are still concentrating. That is important. So if you ever needed, um, if you ever thought my offering is just irrelevant, this is a, this is a scripture to say, the smallest offering is relevant. And actually, the smallest offering can be very generous, and the biggest offering can be mean. Okay? That is quite, quite possible. And, putting, uh, and Jesus did talk about tithing, and I've always struggled with this, um, bearing my, my thought process previously. And Jesus said, uh, and the section is seven woes, of the scribes and Pharisees. Uh, and he says, woe to you. Now, we don't use the word woe very much, but this is a funeral lament. This is serious woe. This has gone badly wrong. Okay? So, woe to you, lamentable, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You are hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices. So, you know, spices are tiny. Imagine measuring out a tenth of little bags of spice or whatever. But you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Now, at this point, so Jesus was, this this is condemning the Pharisees. This is serious, Jesus, it's a serious rebuke. And the comment on tithing was at that point, they were living under under the... um, the Old Covenant, that it still applied at that point. So Jesus was not commenting on the future at that point in time. And that was his only comment on on tithing. 
So in summary, I think putting those thoughts together, what, what was Jesus' heart? That money and possessions are to be held lightly. Giving is normal, but the heart attitude is critical. Okay? And we're going to take that on to see what Paul says in 1 and 2 Corinthians. So we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 16. Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian people to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. And I think there are three points in there. I said there are four altogether. We're hitting the first one now. Uh, the giving is regular. Okay? Our giving, these are very, very simple points. Our giving is to be regular. On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money. And I think that means quite simply, if you earn your money weekly, you should give weekly. If you earn your money monthly, you give monthly. It's quite as simple as that. But giving is to be regular and uh, habitual in, in the right sense of the word. And secondly, it's, uh, and that's my first big point. Secondly, giving is primarily to the local church. And um, it, as, a, as, an, uh, as an accountant, um, I think I, I understood a little bit about how the stock exchange works from time works. And uh, I have, from time to time, invested some money in shares. And Lindsay would very quickly point out that uh, Tyrac PLC is no longer on the high street because it went bust and I had bought some shares in Tyrac and uh, that I lost all my money, not, not a great deal, on, on Tyrac. And Lindsay is very quick to, to point that out to me at the right time. I see, I see, again, I'm very simple, simple about this. I see my investment, when I give, I see it as an investment in the kingdom of God and in the church. Now, what is the one organization that is going to survive the, the, the test of time? The church is going to become the bride of Christ, isn't it? Um, Tyrac PLC has already failed. <laughs> Crystal, Crystal Palace Football Club is on the decline and uh, will, will fail at some point. The church will not. And I see it. When I give, I am investing in something, in the one thing that will last for eternity. That's how I sort of justify it to myself in a way. Very, 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 very simply. But giving primarily is to, to the local church. Now, Lindsay and I, we give to other organizations, but it's um, very much secondarily to the church. And actually, part of the church's responsibility is to give of its own resources and support other organizations like Laura and Jeremy and the cafe and, and what have you. Third point here, giving is in, in keeping with your income. I think that is a clue as to uh, the a core principle of, of giving in the New Testament, that tithing was clearly the, old, the right, what God wanted in the Old Testament, and in keeping with your income, heads us in the right direction. Okay, and I, I think that is important. We then head to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. 
For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see also that you excel in this grace of giving. I think that's fantastic. And I think that's releasing and uh, deals with guilt and duty. I've got ten principles of, of, um, of, of, good, of good giving. And one of them's got ten sub-points. Okay, so I'm going to rattle through it. It's an act of grace. Giving is an act of grace, not an economic transaction. Okay? It is not simply, I put my hand in my pocket, I bring out a check, I shove it in the offering, or a coin, or a note. It is a grace of God. Grace, the core word of grace is charis, um, where we get charismatic, but it is spiritual, okay? If you, I think it would be fair to say that if all you do is give economically, it is an economic transaction, the church is blessed, but you will not be. But if you see it as part of your spiritual life, there is blessing that will come to you. So you could say, I, wor- I worship. Is worship spiritual? Of course it is. Is praying spiritual? We've been encouraged to pray on Tuesday night. Of course it is. I give. Is giving spiritual? Yes, it is, if you choose it to be so and see it as so, and in no lesser way than worship or prayer. It is to be joyful, not tinged with regrets. And my first point was giving is to be regular, and secondly, it is to be joyful. Now, if you give and you think afterwards, what on earth have I done? Why did I do that? That is not joyful. Um, Joyful expresses our gratitude to God for what he has done. And our giving is simply an expression of that. So our giving is to be joyful. And we're going to have our offering at the end. And I hope it will be joyful. I ought to have said at the beginning, my objective here is not that our giving increases at all, but it is better. Our giving is better. Okay? So that is what I hope. Points three and four. Our giving is to be generous and not mean. This is the bit that liberates me. Okay? God's requirement of us is that our giving is generous, which is where I hit my sub-points. And it is to be willing, not begrudging. Okay? We do it by choice. It is an active choice, not in a begrudging manner. Now, what does generous mean? Because I think... I think generosity is at the heart of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And it, mean, it can mean all sorts of different things, can't it? How do we apply generosity in, to ourselves? So firstly, generosity reflects the character and example of God. God is supremely generous, isn't he? When, in Genesis 1, when he created the world, he created it outstandingly. 
So there were multiple fish and animals, and it was a beautiful place. It was generously created. And clearly, Jesus' example was the ultimate, ultimate example of generosity, wasn't it? Choosing to die for us on the cross is the ultimate generosity. So when we think generosity, we start by thinking uh, the character and example of God. I think it's fair that generosity will, will vary from season to season. So uh, you have children and so someone gives up work, income goes down, your ability to be generous reduces. Uh, you get a pay rise, it increases. It, it, it is not static. Someone goes to university, it reduces again. You retire, it reduces. But it will, it will vary from season to season. I think generosity should correlate in some way with your generosity to yourself. What do I mean by that? It might mean that the way you are generous to yourself is that you go to Costa once a week and have you know, a, a really nice coffee and a cake, what, cake, whatever. That is how you treat yourself. For me, I think of it in terms of, well, how am I, how am I generous to myself? And I think of three things. I have a season ticket to Crystal Palace. We have a gym membership. And we go on holiday. And that's how I think. And I, in my mind, I think, right, my generosity in giving must in some way bear some kind of relationship with the, with the way I'm generous to myself. Actually, I think it should be more generous than my generosity to myself. That's my own application of it. But there ought to be some kind of, some kind of correlation there. Okay. Um, so if you think, uh, you know... <laughs> If, you're, if you think generosity comes out at a pound a week and you're earning £1,000 a month, you're probably adrift somewhere in your, in your thinking about generosity. I did look up the statistics for the Church of England and, um, I don't know, and it talks about the average giving. And I, I don't know how the Church of England survives on the giving of its people, but uh, it certainly wouldn't be New Testament generosity. But I think that's a, a, that's a way of thinking about it. I think generosity should affect your lifestyle. Ian last week talked about um, being a Christian, affecting his time and doing open home, having an open home and affecting fam- family in that way. I think uh, our generosity should actually impact on our lifestyle. There is a big caveat to that that we'll come to. It might mean... Uh, that instead of changing your car every three years, it's every five years or something like that, or a holiday for one week, not for two weeks. Or, or, or I think somehow it affects our lifestyle. C.S. Lewis wrote Mere Christianity, which is a real kind of standard text, as it were. And he said, um, if our charities do not pinch, do not all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. I thought he wrote it in more modern English than that, but... Um, that, that's, what he, that's what he said. We'll come on to, there's a, there's a tension here with affecting our lifestyle, which we'll come on to. It will be, our generosity will be incremental as income rises. So the more, you know, when you get a pay rise, or whatever, we should be looking to be increasingly generous as that happens. And I think new covenant is greater than the old covenant. What's that got to do with generosity? I think the... The new covenant is just greater than the old covenant, isn't it? What Jesus did, we have been, instead of sacrifices annually, 
we have been sacrificed for once and for all. The new covenant is greater than the old covenant. Again, I apply this very simply. So I think if tithing was right in the, under the old covenant, our generosity under the new covenant is not going to be dissimilar, but probably greater. Okay? And that for... The, the, the great thing is that for, um, for, for, for many folk, generosity means not, it will mean not a lot. And for many of us, it will actually mean tithing plus, if we search our hearts. It must be wise, and so don't get, don't get into debt to borrow. I did it once, uh, really stupidly, and um, regretted it. Uh, but, you know, do not get into debt. Address the debt, and then be generous. Um, and we can be generous and save but not hoard, okay? So saving, we're encouraged to save and be, be wise, but not hoard. We'll come on to actively deciding. We should pray. When we think about generosity, actively decide, we should actively decide. We should pray about it and say, between myself and God, what does this mean? Because that's all that's important, is between you and God, what it, what it means. But as a church... There is no compulsion to give. I put it in capitals. There is absolutely no compulsion to give. And uh, it's not a case of once you've been ten times, someone taps you on the shoulder and says, I haven't noticed you putting into the offering. Please, please do so. That is absolutely not what this church is about. And um, Adam asked me to, <coughs> to, make that, to make that clear. So those are some ways that we apply generosity. There's some practical things including what, what, what we have done. So, generosity is the one, the one word. There are four word, four things to pick up. Our giving is to be regular, joyful, generous. Actually, the fourth one is thought through. But if you can't remember four, remember one, generous. Okay? That's the heart of what is being spoken here. So, back to 2 Corinthians 8 to 9. Our giving is to be a privilege, not a duty. Uh, duty is mentioned six times in the New Testament. Five of them are about the fun- Zechariah, largely. Zechariah's function, his duty was to go to the temple once a year. Duty is not a New Testament doctrine. Okay? If you are giving out of duty, I would actually dare to say, stop. Stop for a bit, get your heart sorted out, and then when your heart is right, start. And, um, and dutiful giving is bad giving. If you, if you give under duty, you will only ever, you'll sort of pacify yourself when you've given, and then you'll just go downhill and, and build up to the next time, and it's just a, a guilt trip. And that is not New Testament. I'll, I'll give you an example. I said I'd talk about bad giving. And uh, um, at, at an event, there was an event we went to, you better not say what it was, Christian event, and I knew there was going to be an offering. And I, in my view, it was quite expensive to go to the event in the first place. So I'm already kind of struggling a bit here. And I knew there was going to be an offering. Um, and I thought, I really ought to give. Really, you know, I'm going to this event, I ought to give. And then I thought, well, I can't just give a pound or a euro. I ought to give more than that. And, and I did. And by the time I, I came out, I was really cross. I thought, I've actually, you know, I, I, everything was wrong about it. 
Okay? And I didn't feel, I felt, I didn't feel better. I felt worse, actually. Um, so I, I was grumpy that it happened at all. It was just completely wrong. I would have been far better not to give at all uh, and to be at peace about it. So dutiful giving is wrong. Okay? Please, please understand that. Spiritual gift versus deep pocket. In Romans 12, 8, giving is a, there is a gift of a spiritual gift of giving. So healing, speaking in tongues, words of knowledge are spiritual gifts. Giving is one as well. This is the ability to give extraordinarily, you know, way, way beyond to generate resources for the kingdom of God. How about praying for that? I, I spoke to someone about six months ago, uh, and I asked his, my age, I said, why haven't you retired? And he said, number one, I enjoy my work, which is fair enough. And he said, Num- number two, I am resourcing Christian organizations and a church. And he said, I want to carry on doing that. And that, that was his motivation for working. That is, to giving, there is a spiritual gift of giving. That's extraordinary, really, isn't it? The, the way we act towards it, there is a spiritual gift of giving. Last bit of scripture. 2 Corinthians 9. Remember this, whoever sows, sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. That is so important. That's the decision of the heart. That's between you and God. That's, I think that's great. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, as I have just referred to, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And my example certainly wasn't cheerful. And God is able to bless you abundantly. I think this is brilliant as well. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I think that's great too. Do we sow and reap sparingly or generously? So sowing and reaping actually is about heavenly reward. Um, that where we sow on earth, there will be reward in heaven, but there is certainly an earthly application to it. And uh, there's a, a tension there where actually we give because we want to give, but we are blessed at the same time. And Luke 6.38 says, I haven't got it on here, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. So there are two seemingly opposites there. We, we give and it will affect our lifestyle, but God blesses us at the same time. And they stand together. And my, my sort of application to that is, if you're the, the car thing, that if you have a, you change your car every five years, God will bless you with, with, with pleasure in your car. More pleasure in the car that you've got than the car that you would have had. And that is my kind of application of that, that God does, he blesses us. Finally, giving is decision of the heart. That's my fourth key point. Uh, Our giving comes from that. It must be, it's not just in our heads, it's not just economic, 
but it is a, a decision of our heart, and that involves faith. So if th- this is where faith comes in. God wants you rich, not wealthy, uh, and this is where the God is able to bless you abundantly. When Adam asked me to do this, I went to, into CLC, the bookshop in, in London. I said, I need a book on uh, giving, please. And they said, um, we haven't got one. So the only one that we would recommend uh, by R.T. Kendall is out of print and is not going to be reprinted, which is quite telling, really, isn't it? So, so I went on Amazon. I went on Am- um, and failed again. But I did put God Wants You Rich into Amazon. And there are 24 books you can buy on God wants you rich. God doesn't want you rich. He, he, sorry, he doesn't want you wealthy. He wants you rich. And that pattern of the scripture is God is able to bless you abundantly. To me, that is a parallel to Malachi 3, where God says, test me in this and see if I won't open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't know what to do with it. God is able to bless you abundantly. So there are four principles Our giving should be regular, should be joyful, should be generous, and it should be an active decision of the heart. And the the, the question is, is, do you believe that God is able to bless you abundantly this morning? It was the the same question, really, that that God asked in Malachi. Is God able to bless you abundantly? And I have to say, my own personal experience, I have never given a gift in an offering, gone home and found an envelope in the door with anything like that or a check in the post the following day. I have never, ever experienced that. But what I have experienced is when we've had need, God has provided and tax rebates and stuff like that have happened. Never a direct correlation, sort of one-to-one, but over a period of time, I can stand here and say, God is no man's debtor. He really is. He's, God is no man's debtor. And I would end by saying, you know, in Malachi 3, God said, people, you are robbing me. Now, God would not say that. And, and the New Testament, Paul would not say that because it is a, a decision of the heart. It's about being generous. There is no sense of robbing God. There's no sense of robbing the church because God is quite able to resource the church and resource his kingdom. But if there is any sense of robbery, it is if we, if we don't give, and giving starts when we're a teen, it can start when we're a teenager, there is a sense where actually we rob ourselves of the blessing of God. And just remember, my first, uh, when I, I think I was about six, it's funny how you have memories from childhood, and my mum and dad said, right, we're going to give you pocket money. It's probably about five or six. And they said, we're going to give you a shilling a week. 5p. Okay, and they said, but you've got to give half of it in the offering. <laughs> that, that was the deal. And that's, that, that, was my, that was my experience. And I would say, you know, you may not, only two of you there sitting there, you may not have much money or any money, but I bet you have a little bit. And you can start the principles of giving. Please, I suggest, you start at a very young age. Okay, and then... God blesses us as we go. Please, no guilt, okay? Uh, no duty. If, if you came this morning to give out of duty, I encourage you not to, okay? But let's... Um, God is generous, isn't he? 
And I think the, the one thing I would say is, you know, it, when we're giving, whether it's our time, our energy, our labour, our finances, we need to be generous. He calls us to be generous, and no way will he let us down when we are. And we're going to, uh, I'll pray, and then we're going to have the offering. So we're going to uh, have Catherine come and lead us in, in, in a song. Um, what I want you to do is if you come prepared to give, I want you to pray over your giving, your offering, and I want you to say, decide that it is a, whether it is a choice of yours to give and tell God that it is your choice, that you're, you want to bless his work this morning and be joyful over it. And if you have come and you're not, you know, you, you won't put anything in the offering, don't, but pray over it. Pray God's favour over the money that's given, over the people that give. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that your generosity to us will always exceed any generosity we have for you. We acknowledge that what we have comes from you in the first place, and we thank you that you give us the resources, whether it's time, energy, or money, to invest in your kingdom and in your church. And we ask that you teach us uh, you'd help us to understand the importance of giving, but, that, but the, uh, the principles of it. You'd help us to apply it, whether we are 10 years old or 90 years old, that we would learn to live in your goodness and give out of your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.